of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be with you today. Thank you for joining me as we continue in this journey through the book of Psalms. And we are here today at Psalm 86. Psalm 86. It is simply entitled A Prayer of David. So we've seen a lot of uh, Psalms that are attributed to Asaph and then recently the Sons of Korah. And here we are at another Psalm that is composed by David. Now, if someone ever tells you that David wrote the book of Psalms, I recently heard someone say that. If somebody ever tells you that, quickly remind them, no, he did not write the book of Psalms. And for whatever reason, uh, he, yeah, he wrote about half. So he wrote a good portion of the book of Psalms. But for whatever reason, people have taken that to mean, oh, David wrote the book of Psalms, and he did not write the entire book of Psalms. And uh, <clears throat> so we're here in Psalm 86. It is a prayer of David. Let me read for you the 17 verses here, and then I will get into my commentary on this. So, Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things, for you alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord, for my God with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seek my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant, and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor, that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So a very short psalm. There's a little bit here I want to look at. The psalm really, it's, it's a personal prayer of David, but I think can be applied to any child of God because it shows the steadfast love of the Lord and the person praying, the suppliance, trust in the Lord. And he begins in verse 2 when he says, Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. And you might think, if I refer to myself as godly, well, that's kind of conceited. Uh, this is not a conceited statement because he 
prefaces that, or he follows that by admitting his trust in the Lord. So what is the reason he is godly? It's because he trusts in the Lord and it's the Lord's godliness. So in verse two, he says, who trusts in you? The psalmist recognizes his own inability, but he knows where his strength lies in the Lord. Verse three, be gracious to me, O Lord. So the poet here knows that God's answer to his prayer is a manifestation of his unmerited grace. God owes him nothing. Verse 5, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. This title of steadfast love implies the special love God has towards those who are in covenant with him. It is a um, a common expression used in the scriptures. For example, um, in Exodus 34, 6, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And then in Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We're all familiar with First John, it says God is love. In other words, there is, that is who he is. That is his character. A lot of people might take that to mean that God cannot hate. But absolutely, if something is opposite of love, for example, sin, any sin is the opposite of love, then God hates it. God detests sin. And it's a paradox, but it, it is, um, they are, the two are compatible. God is love, but yet he hates sin. So God's steadfast love rests upon his people. He said, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. God does not forgive all people indiscriminately, in other words. He waits until they turn to him with prayers of repentance. Verse 8. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord. Now, David here is not suggesting that there are, in fact, other gods. That is not what he is saying. Because we see in verse 10 where he says, you alone are God. So he is not saying that there are other gods, but he is making a statement that is relevant to the surrounding nations. So he sees that no god of the surrounding nations, in other words, gods that were made by human hands, None of these can be compared with the Lord in what he is or what he does. And so this confession of God's uniqueness is not a tacit admission that there are other gods, but he is comparing the foreigner's vain imaginations with the reality of Yahweh. Verse 9, all the nations you have made shall come. Yahweh is the God of all nations, even though they may not recognize him. God gives them their existence and whatever blessings they have. The same way he does so for individuals. The rain falls upon the just and the unjust. Well, why do evil people sometimes have good lives and seemingly good people have difficult lives? That is because God is in control of all of it and he does not discriminate. But really our lives are eternal. So what happens on this earth I don't want to say that it is irrelevant, but it is a small portion of what we face in eternity. 
And so these nations surrounding Israel at the time, all the nations you have made shall come and worship before you. They may not recognize God, but God is still in control of them. Verse 11, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. The human heart is evil by nature. It is divided. And the only one who can unite it is God himself. A united heart is one that is totally set on God. Verse 13, for great is your steadfast love toward me. Again, we see this phrase, steadfast love, the loving kindness that is freely offered and promised, not just here in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, but in the gospel itself. God is steadfast. So the psalmist here sees and knows and understands the steadfast love of God, but also understands his own weakness. And so this psalm can make a great prayerful setting of worship where we acknowledge our own weakness and we also acknowledge at the same time the strength of God in whom we confide. And so this is Psalm 86. I went with an acoustic guitar setting. It is a synthesized acoustic guitar, so ignore the digital instrument. Um, But it really made a gorgeous setting and a prayerful setting of Psalm 86. So here is Psalm 86 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Lord and 
the grave Oh God, violent men and the proud seek my life Forgetful of you and your praise Lord, merciful God, full of grace, slow to wrath, abounding in truth and in love. Return unto me, your rich grace now bestow, your servant make strong from above. The son of your hand made deliver and save a sign of your goodness renew that all those who 